season with Inter-Miami in 2023, but his future beyond that remains unclear. Hello everyone, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, an Inter-Miami-focused podcast providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more. We have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting. My name is Franco Panizo, I am one of your co-hosts, and probably the one that loves speaking Spanglish the most, as well as saying, Miami Total Football Radio! More than the rest of the team. Of course, they might not love saying Miami Total Football Radio as much as I do, but they do love football. I'm talking about the couple that is and the colleagues that are, Jose Armando and Andrea Yanis. Guys, how are you doing? We will start with Andrea. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on a pod, so let's start with Andreita. Then we'll go to Jose. Andrea, how are you doing today? Hello, Franco. Nice to be here. Nice to be back, back in, in, in the podcast. Glad to, to be talking about Inter-Miami again. Even though they didn't win the league, we have a lot to talk about and some exciting stuff. So I'm ready to discuss. And since it's it, it's a World Cup month, I'm Bengo Violenta. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Bengo Violenta for this podcast. So prepare for a hisita. What does Bengo Violenta mean for the people that don't speak Spanish? You got to do the Spanglish translations here. Uh, 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 it means I'm coming like Rambo. She's, she's, she's coming in hot. She's coming in hot. She's coming in hot, yes. Although, exactly. vi- although Violenta would, tra- would translate to violin, which I don't know. Two-foot slides I go from Andrea. I don't know if I, uh, if I want to be on the end of that. Jose, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good and, and also happy to be back. It's been a while. Um, so, yeah, and, um, I, you know, I think, I, I think we had... Um, uh, uh, a good media availability with Chris Anderson and, and and Phil Neville. Maybe not as much information as we would have wanted, but I, I think we have enough to make an interesting pod and to give people an insight on not only what happened last year, but what's next for Inter Miami. It's not last year yet, guys, okay? It was last, maybe you could say this past season, Season. this past year. But the year's not over yet, all right? The year's not over yet. It is over. (laughs) Once you play the final, it's over. Move on to next year. Wait, by the way, before we we get into the Inter-Miami stuff, Andrea, tell me what you just told me off the mics. Did I influence Jose Armando in a very positive way in his life? Because if I did, I need you to share that with the listeners. Yes. Let me tell you something. Jose has a song that... It's going to be the song of our holiday season, I'm 100% <laughs> sure, because he heard it on a Franco story. And I know you guys, if you follow or stalk Franco on Instagram, you know he likes some reggaeton. So uh, he, passed, he passed that on to Jose. There we go. What song was it? Just so, just so the people are curious. It was Raúl Alejandro, Que Lo Quera. It's a great song. Because Jose likes reggaeton, but Jose likes old reggaeton better than the new reggaeton. Yeah. Jose is being shy now, <laughs> listeners. Jose is being shy because he was singing the song when we had this conversation off the mics before. Oh, you, wanted, legit... you wanted me to sing this song. <laughs> I don't know. No. If, you sing, if you sing on the pod, I think you know people will turn off the pod after just four minutes and then that's it. Yeah. So let's, let's not sing. Maybe yeah. you can sing at the end as your, final, as your final thought. But anyway, with regards to Inter-Miami, we will talk about Phil Neville and his new contract and the length of that contract we will also talk about the 2023 goals that apparently are in place for inter miami that they have milestones that they want to hit already we'll talk about the approach to the designated players 
Talk about Rodolfo Pizarro, Alejandro Pozuelo, Lionel Messi, and all those rumors that continue to pop up. The upcoming MLS expansion draft, and much, much more, as well as with our Q&A session at the very, very end. So, yes, the offseason is officially underway. Let's get to it. All right, guys. So, we will start with the week's biggest news. And again, not something that was unexpected. Think anybody that followed into Miami, even remotely, knew that Phil Neville was likely coming back, right? That he was coming back because he showed progress with this team and he helped the team surpass expectations and make the playoffs in 2022. So we'll start with Jose. Just your thoughts on Phil Neville being given a new deal to be with Inter Miami for a third straight season. Yeah, I think it was expected. You know, the minute that Inter Miami uh, made the playoffs, I think that that's the moment where he actually signed a new contract or an extension, as it is. I think you know it's it's not a surprise that he's back. Although I would say that a, the one year deal thing, it's it's something that I know we're gonna talk about. But I think that's mm-hmm. that's a little bit you know that has a meaning behind just one more year. So there's a lot to discuss there, but I'm I'm not surprised at all that that he's that he's back. I think you know he he earned that contract by by taking the team to the playoffs, which is something that, as you all know, um, at least <laughs> I didn't predict. So not Andrea, not Jose, not myself. None of us three predicted. The only one that predicted is the member of the co-hosting team that's not here today. And that's Steven Primo Brenner. So he was the only one. Although I feel like he shot in the dark and, and got a little lucky. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Andrea, just quickly your thoughts on Phil Neville signing a new deal and returning for a third season with Inter Miami in 2023. Because what Jose said is right. There is something juicier with regards to this deal to dive into. But just want to hear your thoughts on him returning in 2023. Yeah, um, I think it's not surprising since he he got the team to a playoffs. He got the team uh, together. He picked it up and got got them together again after that that awful start that they had and the bad moments during the season. He accomplished that. But as Jose said, and I am a hundred percent in in agreement, it's weird that it's only for a year. And Phil said in in the press conference yesterday when when you asked him about that, he tried to justify like with his friendship with Beckham and what Jorge Mas and and his brother Jose Mas and and everyone was saying but let me tell you that is weird because I wouldn't feel 100% happy signing a one year contract knowing that if you get uh, Lionel Messi next year then they're thinking oh you only have a contract for one year then you're gone when 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 we have Messi and we have the sanctions uh we are free of the sanctions in the future so I would I would have been doubtful for to sign a contract like that to tell you the truth, but um, I guess he he loves it here as he said it, and it's not not expected um, for him uh, to to come back. So I guess um, it was the right decision for me. I I don't think Inter Miami should should have changed coach unless you could have gotten Bielsa, but um, I think it 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 will be good for the consistency of the team. Uh, this year, uh, he's going to have the majority of the players that he brought last season, so he can build on that. And if he 
comes and and gets them to to the goals that they they want to meet we're going to talk about that uh later on in the pod then he'll get a bigger contract i guess so i guess we're diving into it andrea just just went head first into the into the topic so that is interesting that apparently he's only signed a one-year deal now inter miami didn't say outright in their press release that he signed a one-year deal right the press release reads this Inter-Miami CF announced today that head coach Phil Neville has signed a contract extension ahead of the 2023 Major League Soccer season. That's their intro in their press release. It doesn't say that he's only signed a one-year deal. It just says that he signed a contract extension ahead of the 2023 season. It's been reported that it's only one year. Phil Neville said in his own words that it's just one year. Part of me doesn't buy that it's only one year. Part of me just doesn't. I don't, I don't know. Just some, and it's not inside information. Just some part of me just doesn't, it doesn't pass the sniff test. It, it's weird. That it's, it's only weird. one year. But let's take it at face value, right? Because otherwise we, we'll jump into supposition, but let's not jump into supposition just yet because let's, just, let's take it at face value that it is a year contract. What does that say about Phil Neville's standing with Inter-Miami? Or, or, or what do you read into that? I go back to Jose here. Because I agree with you, it's the, again, if it's if we take it at face value, it's the juiciest part of the whole thing, even though it wasn't, well, I guess it was emphasized a little bit, but not overly emphasized in the press conferences uh, at the start of the week on Monday. Jose, your thoughts? I would say that um, I do agree, to start out, I do agree that it, it is it is one year. I believe that it's one year, I should say. Um, I, I went back into the, both press conferences and you know, there are some things that caught my attention. For example, Phil said, within three seasons, you have to win. Conversations weren't long. You have to produce. And next year is the year we have to produce in, in terms of titles, winning something. I think that's, that's what Jorge Mas wants. You know, he wants a winning team. And... Um, and when you give Phil one more year to really accomplish what they want, because they don't want sixth or seventh place. They don't want a team that struggles, that's inconsistent, that's up and down throughout the season. You win three games, you lose four. That's not what they want because they know that's not a good formula for South Florida. And, and we have seen it in the stands. I mean, when you have an inconsistent team that's, not relevant. People are not going to go to the stadium. And they know the, the way to go here is to win. You have to win. You have to be uh, consistent. And um, to me, Phil signing a one-year deal means this is your last chance. That's that's what that means. And I, and I tweeted something yesterday that goes something like, okay, if Phil is indeed the coach that you, you want um, to develop players and to just uh, develop the franchise, franchise as a whole as well, you don't give him a one-year deal. You give him more time. Now is the time to do that. And to me, it feels like they they, they don't feel it right now. And they are giving him an opportunity to do something in 2023 if he's able to at least get close to winning a championship, then he might convince them that he's the right guy. But if you sign just one-year deal, it's not a good look. 
so again, I'm going to reiterate this because, and again, it's it's November of 2022. So in a year from now, we could look back on this conversation and say you're completely off base. I'm still not buying. It doesn't pass the sniff test to me that it's a one-year deal. It just doesn't pass the sniff test. And maybe it is. Maybe it is. And I'm off base there. But it just doesn't. Phil Neville and his agent and when they sat down with Inter-Miami and they had those negotiations, I can't imagine he was like, all right, I'm signing a one-year deal and that's I'm just going to take that. Like, I just It's hard for me to imagine someone as experienced in, in, in the sport as a player, as a coach, I can't imagine that that's, that that's the best deal he could work out or his agent could work out, especially after coming off a season in which he helped the team make the playoffs. I just, I just, it's hard, hard for me to believe that. But again, taking it at face value, if that's the case, if he has only signed, and I will stress, if he has only signed a one-year deal or one-year extension through 2023, then it's clear that Inter Miami is not convinced on the job that Phil Neville has done on the whole. Because this year they surpassed expectations and they made the playoffs. But the first year with a roster that arguably was more talented, they flailed and they missed the playoffs and it was uh, in large part a disaster. So one season, good. One season, bad. So put that together, you get a middling grade. The th- that means that the third year would be the make-or-break year. If he can get the team back to the playoffs or he can get them to an Open Cup final or, or he can get them to a home playoff game because he did say, again, he said it again, he wants to finish in the top four in the Eastern Conference. If he can accomplish one of those things, then maybe there's a there's a clause in his contract that says, all right, he can return for 2024 or 2025. I, I don't know. I, again, supposition there because we, we, don't, we don't, you know, this is just... Um, just me, me talking out. Franco, loud. what's the definition of a good season? Why would you say it's a good season? And 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 would you would you say it's a good season for the ownership? Because there's something as well that caught my attention that Phil said, and 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 he didn't say it for the first time because he did mention something like this um, in the post match press conference after after you know they were eliminated, and and he he said that sixth place is not success for him, so. Is this really a good season for 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 Inter yes. Miami? Yes, it was a good season for Inter Miami because they were faced with they were faced with listen they were faced with massive sanctions, massive sanctions. They had to make a significant overhaul of the roster. Again, none of us three thought they were making the playoffs, and we it's not just about what our opinions are. There was a lot of opinions, a lot of the the consensus out there, even from some of the fan base, was that this team would not make the playoffs in twenty twenty two, but they did. So. I think that is, uh, it is, like they said, like both Phil Neville and Chris Henderson said, that is progress, but I do think that makes 2022 a success. Now, if you're looking bigger picture and you analyze it and you take a deeper analysis of Inter-Miami and where it wants to be, then yes, you can look at it and say, okay, by the numbers, not the greatest of seasons, by the numbers, right? Let's look at their record from... 2022 they went 14-6-4 and four. that's 14 wins 6 draws 14 losses so they finished with a 500 record so by definition mediocre by definition they scored 47 goals and they had 56 scored on them they finished with a negative 9 goal differential that was tied for 
third worst in the Eastern Conference. But they still made the playoffs. So again, it's a successful season. Now, when you analyze it on the bigger scale and you say, okay, next year, the numbers need to be much better. And, and you heard Chris Henderson and Phil Neville talk about that, about the road form being better. Chris Henderson, and I did not ask, I know I get tongue-in-cheek comments about my penchant for asking about attacking set pieces because I've done it quite often, probably more so than uh, anyone else in the Inter-Miami press corps or over, corps over the last three years. But I didn't ask it this time, and Chris Henderson said during his you know press conference in one moment, quick little snippet, he said, we need to be better on attacking set pieces, and that's going to be a focus uh, this offseason, which I thought was interesting um, hearing him say that because... What are they going to do? Sign more center backs? Sign a, a designated set piece taker? I mean, that's that's interesting. But anyway, so yes, there's a lot of room for improvement for this team. 100%. 100%. And I think that that's where the, I think that's where the thought lies. I think that they're like, okay, yes, we exceeded expectations, but we can be much, much better. And that's apparently the aim in 2023. Andrea, your thoughts on all of the things we just talked about. No, like I said before, I think uh, a one-year deal is, is frankly, if we're speaking frankly, I have to say that the owners, the team, the management are not thinking about Phil for the long run. They are not. They are like, I could give you an example, like when the Dolphins had Brian Flores, they had a bad team. Now they they fired him and brought a new coach and brought new players. That is what I feel is going to happen with Phil in the future. He's not going to get a... uh, Inter-Miami is going to get rid of the sanctions about uh, the Caps in spending the money they want to spend. They're going to bring players. They're going to bring big names. And they're going to try to bring another coach because I feel that a one-year contract is telling you, like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you for the future. I don't trust you can take this team... um, for the next step in the future. Because uh, frankly, uh, for me, a uh, manager signing for one year, that that's just like you usually do that when you're an interim manager and, and you do well. And even then, you you get a three-year deal. And he, he Phil has already been here for this. This is going to be his third year. So for I, 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 I was really surprised that he accepted a one-year deal to tell you I, I, I don't think it's a one-year deal. I don't think so. But, yeah. But, but how much leverage? How much leverage? If you're if you're a Phil's agent, do you have when you go into that conversation? I think you have a decent amount after you just help the team make the playoffs, even despite that you they were fourteen, play, six, six, and fourteen. Play, they made the playoffs. Play, how, many, how how many points between six and eighth place this year in, in in the Eastern Conference? Two. How many points? Two. Okay, so you were basically yes, Jose, but Jose. in this league. Uh, you can be a bad coach like Ben Olsen and get another job. Jose, so, yeah, we thought, listen, a lot of us thought, a lot of media members thought this team was finishing 10th, 11th, I, and yeah, below. No, I agree 100%. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually here advocating for Phil, but I, I want to be as well realistic in the fact that, you know, if ownership, if they wanted to give him a one-year deal, there's not a lot that you can... You can say if, if you're a field agent. I disagree with that. I yeah, disagree with that. I disagree with that heavily. With that, Jose. A one-year deal is not a norm in 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 a coach. In a coach. A coach like a, especially like any person. Like a coach, like any person, especially on the younger side, they're gonna want job security and stability. Yeah, exactly. And and why would you? Why would a one-year deal be like? Okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, I think Phil Neville did did have leverage at the negotiating table. I think he could have been like, hey. 
look, I just helped this team get to the playoffs. Hey, you want to stress continuity? You want me to build on this foundation that I've just shown you that I can I can do well with? Then I need more than one year. I do think he had leverage. I, that's why, again, I can't imagine this is like just a one-year deal, just like clean, clean cut like that. I, I can't imagine. Maybe there's clauses there. If he doesn't do this, then then then, then they they split ways or or they part ways, and or maybe he takes another role in, in the organization or or whatever. He doesn't have a lot of experience as well. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And Franco, let's be honest. Like you know, three three weeks before the end of the regular season, a lot of people thought it's it's over. They're not going to be in the playoffs. They yeah, went into Jose, a break. They went to a playoff. Yeah, but th- that's something that you know. If if you go back to the season, you don't you don't analyze the season based on the last three weeks. You analyze it we, as a whole, sure. Then they again they went fourteen six and fourteen. Correct. I agree with you. But yeah, they made the playoffs. There are some things within within the stats that you put more value into it. You know, it, it's not like you go five hundred and and okay that that tells me the whole story. There are some other things like, you know, the development of young players. Tell me how many players, young players, did you see develop during this season? How many players did you see perform uh, at a higher level than, than when they started the season? I think there's only one player on that list, no. and, that, and that's Drake Callender. No. Drake Callender. No. no. Tell no. me. No. Tell me out of listen. the young players. Okay, that I will. True, I will. Bro. No, no. That see, I, So I will tell you. I will tell you of the young players. Listen, I've been the... Probably the most critical media member of, of Phil Neville, at least locally. So, I but I when I and I've said it, when it's time to give credit where it's due, I'm more than willing to do so. And Phil Neville, with Drake Callender, with Amema Bika, and with Ryan no. Saylor, they listen. No. If you're telling me that Amema Bika, sorry, if you're telling no. me that Amema Bika and Ryan Saylor did not perform no. above no. what they you expect, the same player. They are exactly the same. Ryan Saylor's a ro- Ryan Saylor's a rookie, and yes, he, really? and he, exactly and he, per- and he performed. Mavica no. is exactly the same as he no, started. I don't the think season. so. I don't Noah think so. Allen didn't grow anything. Lost his place even in the national team. He's not the starter anymore. So, what are the young players that are developing in the team? Emerson didn't develop anything. Phil said he didn't like him since. The first month that he got him, he said he was going to rec- work with him. I don't him. recall him saying when he did. He never he, said he didn't like him. He never. I can't believe I'm feeling the. I have taken with, Steve. Where is the work with Emerson? Where is the work with Mavica? Where is the work with Sager? Where is the work with, with Noah Allen? Where, I have, is, where is the work with Ascona and all of the other players that, that, that are young? It doesn't exist. I have taken the mantle from Steve Brenner for the short <laughs> term, and I am now. Phil Neville's lawyer, apparently, because I can't believe I'm holding on to this this title now. It's, there's, I can't believe you guys would say, based on what we saw from a, from Amema Bika and Ryan Saylor, that they did not perform acceptably for no. y- for being young center. No. Okay, th- then oh, it's then, acceptably wow. Franco is but one thing, but if you right. measure from the beginning of the season to the end, they are exactly the same player as they were at the beginning. I don't of agree the with season. that. I don't they think Ryan Saylor. I don't think Ryan Saylor was the same. They didn't grow. They I, no, didn't grow. Disagree. disagree. I don't In think their play. They didn't grow. Don't, don't you agree. Can, you don't agree you with could that. see it at, at the last no game. No way. No way. I don't uh, agree I, with that. I think I think there are some things that you know. We might look at the minutes that they played and think, oh, okay, yes, they did perform. They, they, they have been playing regularly. They have X amount of starts. So, yeah, they're doing good. But 
if you take a closer look and um, if you really look at the performances of those players, you, you will realize they haven't changed much from where they started. I disagree. And, I disagree. And, uh, and I think, you know, here's a, here's a perfect example. Last year, do you remember Christian Macun? Mm-hmm. Of course. Christian Macun played for Inter Miami, and there were, there were high expectations about him. What happened with Christian Macun? They traded him. I mean, he went. He, he left the team, and he, he ended up just being another player. Listen, I, all right. Let's let's Come get let's get to the crux of this. Let's get to the to the gist because we're get, we're going into into side tangents here. I agree with your. I can agree with the overall premise that the jury's out on if Phil Neville is a good developer of young players. I can. I would agree with that thought or that question like that being a valid question because again for me year two i think we saw some young players make progress you guys don't agree with that but okay all right in year one besides christian mccoon i don't think there was any young player in the team that really showed progress so again back to like the overall like when i said about the overall uh body of work that phil neville has had with the team okay let's look at the body of work with young players in my opinion, this is my opinion because obviously you guys don't share it, in his first season, not a great developer of young players. In the second season, like with the team itself, thought he made progress in that regard. And I think Ryan Saylor and Amema Bika are examples. Did they get, were they miles better than they were at the start of the year? No, but they were better. I think so. I think so. Now, I think Damian Lowe's slip in form and his dip in form I think that had a big part to do with the defense having a lot of issues and and that may be exposing Mabika and Sailor a bit more in, in your in your guys's eyes but I think that they did get better and Drake Callender absolutely was miles better from when he started the Drake year Calendar, Calendar is the only one and he works more with the preparador de porteros than with the coach so Hey, for me I would, say- I would have to see an advancement in young players like I tell you Noah Allen Emerson Rodriguez, Mavica, Sailor, they be better. You see other teams in the league and they have young players, they have, have young talents. And, and Jose was measuring, mentioning Macum, who was uh, a player that, that they thought could, could grow, then they traded him. But then you have Julian Carranza, who Phil didn't rate last year, and he said, oh, he need like, like the same things that he, he says now about Emerson Rivaldo. He said um, about Julian, Julian Carranza, he couldn't get used to the league. That, and look, with a good coach who understands the qualities and capacities <laughs> of a young player, look the season wow. that he had. Wow. So Luis Morgan, the same. Well, so I've, I've never, I've never, that, never been one to say Phil Neville is Pep Guardiola, but you just essentially just like, yeah, you just ripped Phil no, Neville I'm indirectly. Not, like, like I'm, what I'm trying to say is that he cannot work, at least until this moment in his career, he cannot develop a player when he gets it. It doesn't matter if it's he's young, especially when he's young. I don't think Phil gets the best on on, on the player because Phil is a coach who likes. Uh, players who are dependable, who can uh, sacrifice for the team and play in positions, even though it's not their position. But I think there are examples. We have talked about the players in the team right now, and there are examples, uh, Julian Carranza and Luis Morgan, that 
prove that the approach that Inter Miami and the coaching staff at Inter Miami not only feel the whole coaching staff. I think you're going on a tangent, Andrea. Didn't work. You're going on a tangent. It's like I mean, I agree that the fact that Lewis Morgan and, and Julian Carranza can ex- both exceed somewhere else and exceed uh, miles more than they did with. Phil Neville as their head coach in 2021. Because, I, I agree I with that, but that, that, that I don't think that has to do with young, with young talent. I don't think that has to do with young talent. He didn't put Carranza in Okay, but that's position. that's now we're getting away from the young talent developer. Like, that's the talking point that we just had. Because, yes, you need to play Lewis players Lewis Morgan, okay, but develop. that's different than... Now, it's now, like now that's a different, but that's a different criticism, Andrea. Andrea, that's a different criticism. That's a different criticism. And he had to come out That's a different criticism. conference to say, I don't play as a nine. Completely different different criticism than saying he's not a, a developer of young talent to say okay maybe he doesn't play players to his strengths that's completely different than saying he's not a, a developer of young talent and and to be honest this is a problem this is a problem not only for inter miami but this is a problem around the league you know i think there are players that should be better and um i think as a whole the league should be a lot better in terms of developing players so i mean um i, I would close out by saying you know most of the young players need to get at Drake Callender's level. What we saw from Drake Callender was a lot of improvement. I mean, he was a starter and he deserved to start. To start. And if you look at Mavika and Sailor, you needed to... Those guys were... They were going to play right next to Damian Lowe. But you never thought, okay, even with Damian Lowe not playing at a high level... You never thought, okay, this is the moment where Mavika and Sailor start. It was always the guy that's going to be next to Damian Lowe. So, you know, if they were to develop at a higher level, then that wouldn't be the conversation. And some of those guys would have been would have taken Damian Damian Lowe's spot in the starting lineup because I mean Damian Lowe did struggle towards the end of the of the season. So I think, you know, there's 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 those are some of the things that maybe this year if Phil is able to take the next step with the young guys, that will be something as well that, you know, might be relevant to the ownership uh, looking looking forward to 2024. But so, in the end... Here's I another young what, player. Here's another young player. All right. Throw Bry- a name. Bryce Duke. Nah, but Bryce Duke is... It, it's it, Bryce Duke, it, he didn't develop Bryce Duke. I mean, the, and still, the same. You know, Bryce Duke is exactly the same player that we saw in the first, in the start of the season. We saw exactly the same player. He just played more with Inter Miami, but he didn't develop. Plus, Bryce Duke is a natural talent. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. he's good by nature. Okay. I mean, he he was. I don't know. I, so out of out of the four players, I'd say Bryce Duke. You know, he had his moments at the attack. You know, it, it stands out because you know he helps create goals. It's a little more eye catching than a center back. I would say he out of the four, he probably, de- for, in my opinion, developed the least from what I saw out of the four. That's just me. Bryce Duke? Uh, yes, out of the four. But I still think yeah, he developed. I, I think he developed yeah. a little bit, a little bit. I don't think he. I don't think he's exactly the same player in preseason as he was at the end of the season. I think he was a little bit better. Not again, not anywhere close to a finished product. Not even close to where he probably needs to get at to be a starter on Inter Miami. But I think he made progress. And I, again. You know, Drake Callender is the biggest example. We, us three, all three of us were there. We were the only media members there at that preseason game against CF Montreal where Drake Callender makes two mistakes late on and Inter Miami goes from winning 1-0 to losing that game 2-1. And as I've reported multiple times on this podcast, sources have told me, Drake Callender got an earful, an earful from the coaching staff, I believe from Phil Neville, 
Uh, it's been a while, so I'd have to go back and and and, and uh, check again. But I believe Villanova gave him an earful, and and that was a big learning moment for Drake Calendar. And I've talked to Drake Calendar about that, and that was a massive yeah. moment for him, where he was like, either I need to rise to the occasion, or I'm going to sink and and, and not be able to swim. And that helped him. So again, I agree with you guys in general that the jury's out on if Phil Neville's uh, a good developer of young talent. But I think this year, again, he made progress. And this is something that neither one of you has mentioned. I think part of why we may not see Phil Neville turn to young players in starting roles all that often is because of the pressure he's under. Because he needs to win games. He needs to help this team get to that next step, right? So young players tend to make mistakes. You have to go through growing pains with them. And right. does, yeah. can, can Phil Neville, given his position, given the, you know, I'm not going to say the, the hot seat he's on, but given the position he holds at a, one of the more high-profile clubs in MLS, a, a, a team that, like you guys said, and like Jose, you were alluding to about, you know, what the ownership wants and, and you know, all the eyeballs that can be on Inter-Miami, does he have the luxury, especially – Think about 2023 on a one-year contract, if that's if that's what we're going with. Does he have the luxury to lose games because he's developing youngsters? No, he doesn't have that job security. So he has to turn to more reliable players or players that are performing more consistently. Look, he gave Robbie Robinson plenty of, of run uh, this year before the injuries. Last year, Robbie Robinson was inconsistent. But he wasn't afraid to turn to Robbie Robinson. If the players produce in the limited amount of time that they're in, that they get, then I think that he, he he'll turn to them more. They haven't produced, and but yeah. I get, I agree that you know the jury's still out on if Phil Neville is a good yeah. developer of young talent. Okay, and, and that that's a good point just to to help people understand the conversation, right? Because we we might go you know several ways here in terms of opinions, but we, what we were talking about is you know finding reasons why he didn't get more than one year. And that's why I brought the topic about, you know, young players. Maybe that's one thing that they want to see feel improved. They want they want to see the team improve. They want to see players. I, I, I think that's really difficult, Jose. I think that's really difficult to develop well, I, young players while also needing to win right now. Like, again, yeah, young remember, players it, will go through growing pains. Young, young players are going to make mistakes that will cost you games. They will not score chances. They will make mistakes at the back that lead to goals. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to cost you games. But if you're but in a win-now mentality... If it did happen with Drake Callender, why can't it happen with Noah Allen? Why couldn't it happen with so, so, uh, so, some of the other players? I mean, you, you believe that Sailor and Mavika were good, that they showed some development. I, I don't think so, but, you know, why why didn't it happen more? And it just happened with one player. That that Again, th- this are maybe talking points here yeah. that if, if we think of, maybe... She would think the same well, way. Think about it. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. it's those are things that you go into into consideration. Like personally, I think you know, I I would have I I wouldn't have signed Phil for one year. I would have given more because, and I think this is something that he did mention as well in the press conference. You know, if, if you have a long term contract, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be here for three or four years. I mean, they can cut you. An, 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 at I mean, moment. at any moment. So, I mean, you, you can get caught in the first three weeks of the season. That that could be the case. And so, um, but I just think, you know, it, it, it would, and to your point, it would give him a little bit of more of breathing room. When you go to work every day and, and you don't have that pressure because you, I mean, you have to feel that pressure if you only have one year, a one-year deal. So... 
All right, um, let's again, let's move on. Let's move on because we've we've stuck there for a while. Let's, no, no, let's 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 move on because we. Let's, I think it's all we all agree that one year is a bit uh, eyebrow raising. I think if he if he meets the goals that he has set out for himself and the team has set out, then he'll get a longer extension. And maybe that's part of the gentleman's understanding or or the clauses in the contract. Maybe maybe, but we don't know. Okay, and. It's really storming right now because the hurricane is on its way. But uh, speaking of the goals, speaking of the goals, and I mentioned the hurricane because you might hear it in the background. But speaking of the goals for 2023, Phil Neville said in the press conference they want to finish top four in the Eastern Conference. It's something he said in the post-game press conference, if I'm not mistaken, after the loss to the NYCFC. This time he also emphasized being better on the road and having a home playoff game, which goes hand-in-hand with finishing in the top four in the Eastern Conference, unless, as has been reported as of late, that MLS may consider changing its playoff format. So, anyway, your thoughts on Inter-Miami trying to finish in the top four in the Eastern Conference next season? Do you believe that that is, uh, I mean, obviously we're far removed from the start of the season and what this roster might look like, but do you believe that that's a realistic next step for this foundation, and this team. Andrea. Yeah, it should be the goal. Uh, If you uh, made it to the playoffs last year and made it in sixth place, the goal should be to to make it to the playoffs and make it in a better position so that you can get home field advantage and you can you can explore more and have more chances of getting the win, getting a win, uh, playing in front of your fans. So I think that that is the next step that they they, they need to look forward. I think it's a, a good, a good and a, a realistic, a realistic above everything, a realistic goal for, for them to make. Because listen, this team has had many problems and everyone criticizes them because in the past they have promised to win, to bring Messi, Ronaldo and all of that and win the league and go to a CONCACAF Champions League, win US Open Cup, and they haven't done it yet. So I think setting up this goal of fourth place is an attainable goal, especially if you're building up on the last season and, and looking forward to, to, to keep building what is Inter-Miami. Jose? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, that's, that's the way to go right now. I think so. But, you know, if, if the team gets significantly better with, with DP signings, then, you know, fourth place might, might not be enough and you might want to go for more. I don't know if that's, the, that's going to be the case. DPs are always important in this league. And I think it's going to depend on the names that you bring. But yeah, ideally you want to you you want to have at least one home playoff game, and if you're in fourth place, that means you're having an okay season, a good season, and uh, and again, I think you know the the main thing for Inter Miami and and the one thing that fans might might be looking for next year is consistency. You know, they want to have a team that you know they're not going to get um, frustrated when they watch a team that you know they they go on losing streaks and then. Uh, they they look like the worst team in the league, and then they win three games, and they are looking like the best team in the league. So, um, I think consistency is the first thing, and then you know I think if you're consistent, you might end up in fourth place or better. I think it's good for the team to look to set goals to improve on what it accomplished this year. Absolutely, I mean that's that's how it should be. I think fourth place is ambitious. It's ambitious because this team, 
will once again have sanctions. It will need to find new DPs, and I think that that's what they're banking on. And I think Phil Noble kind of alluded to it in terms of when he said it towards the end about the DPs, how he, you know they're the difference, and I agree that they are the difference in MLS. He, he pointed to Gareth Bale as an example in the MLS Cup Final, although Gareth Bale is not a DP, but we understand his point, uh, Phil Noble's point. I think they're banking on the DPs being what carries them into that fourth place uh, position. But... I think it's ambitious. I think it's really ambitious, um, because they're gonna—they're going to have these sanctions again, and they're going to have to have players overachieve. I don't think it's just going to be on the DPS to deliver for Inter Miami. I think other players will have to perform as well. So we'll see how it goes. But that's—that's—that's that's, that's where the bar is. Jose, okay, you heard the bar. It's fourth place. That's what they're measuring themselves up against. Right? And Phil Noble said they want to win MLS Cup. They want to stand on the podium with the trophy, with the owners, with the fans, the confetti. They want to get to that point. But, you know, he, he said you got to build blocks. And he said that that next step for them is fourth place in a home playoff game. So next year when we start judging them, because I don't know, you gave me a hard time this year for saying that the playoff was the bar. Because you thought they were no way in chance that they could make that and etc. etc. That's where the bar is. They've said it publicly. It's fourth place in the top four. Yeah, but okay. I mean we can make now, we'll... decisions when it comes to the when we see the roster, I mean, they're never gonna tell you we're gonna finish in tenth place and that's our goal. But you know No, but not, but they also wouldn't say we're get, gonna win MLS Cup. And they get they get no DPs, you're not gonna listen. Listen, do you, think, do you think the Colorado Rapids come into every season saying we want to win MLS Cup? I mean, sure, you'll get some bits and pieces of like, yeah, why not? Well, we Chicago brought Czech but... and they said they were winning. <laughs> so the, my point is that t- t- teams will give you a fair assessment in the inside of the or outside of the cliches and the yes, we want to try to make it for the win it all and all that. You'll hear realistic expectations and goals if you listen closely enough or you listen long enough. And again, Inter Miami, Phil Neville said it. Yes, they want to win a Musk Cup. Absolutely. Why wouldn't they? But that next step, their their next goal, their next big goal is to finish in the top four. So, yeah. so let's, let's quickly touch on the DPs because there are quite a few questions about the DPs. It's obviously going to be a big talking point about Inter Miami going into this winter. Right now, they have two DP slots available and open as of right now. That's because one is being filled still by Rodolfo Pizarro, whose loan with Monterrey is over. He's still on the books with Inter Miami, still under contract with Inter Miami. So right now, as of today, in November, he is the only DP on Inter Miami's roster. Judging from what Chris Henderson said during his portion of Monday's press conferences, I don't think Rodolfo Pizarro stands any chance of returning to Inter Miami. Chris Henderson is uh, a pro's pro, and he knows how to frame things and say things without, you know, being overly critical or anything like that. But when you hear him say, oh, we're in negotiations with Monterrey, we're in talks with Monterrey and Pizarro, like, if Inter-Miami wanted Pizarro back, they don't need to be in negotiations. They just bring him back right. because he's under contract. If they're in negotiations, they're trying to, they're trying to find a way to, to unload him, get rid of him and not have him be part of this team in 2023. So I don't expect Rolfo Pizarro to come back. Now, if they can't find a solution, they can't come to terms with Monterrey, if they can't figure something out with Pizarro, then, well, there's a chance, I guess, he could come back, or they'd have to buy him out or whatever. But 
I just don't see Pizarro playing for this He's team. He's already here in Miami. He's training here in Miami. He posted on his Instagram. So I, I'm guessing Pizarro is, if the team doesn't pay him, the team doesn't want to sell him for a loss because no one is paying them $19 million for Pizarro right now. If the team doesn't want to sell him, the team doesn't want to buy his contract, he's going to get his money. And he's not going to negotiate and accept a lesser deal. I think he's going to, to try and get his money and leave if they want to pay him. But I don't think Pizarro is giving them anything um, back because of the experience he's had here and, and with the team and with everything that happened the first year he was here. Jose, your thoughts on Pizarro? It sounds like you agree with me. There's no chance in your mind that Pizarro returns. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I don't think there's a chance. I don't think the team wants him back. Right. And I think that's yeah. that's that's the end of the, that's that's the end of the line. I mean, if the team doesn't want you, I mean, yeah, you can go through negotiations, but yeah, you're absolutely right. If you really want a player, then you just welcome him back and yeah. all right, we're happy to have you. Right. Arms not- wide open, the door's wide open. Welcome back, Pizarro, but uh yeah, based on what Chris Henderson said or what he didn't say, Maybe is the better way to, to frame that is that it doesn't sound like Pizarro is was welcome back at uh, Drive Pink Stadium um, by by this current leadership. Group. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Pizarro. What kind of deal? Worst comes to worst, I think they buy get... him out. Worst comes to worst, I think they buy him out. I don't think that they, yeah. they. I don't think that they bring him back and have him fill up a DP spot. Like you know, there was a lot of talk in this press conference about the characters and whether it fits the locker room and bringing players that continue to 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 fit into what they've built in terms of that uh, that positive aura, that hardworking aura. And again, they never directly mentioned Pizarro by name, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if Pizarro was the most positive. Was the most positive. Uh, Beacon of light during his first you guys season think or his, that they're, his season. That they're gonna get something like with Matuidi that they had to continue to pay him. No, no, no. Because listen, no, because Pizarro, Pizarro's young enough, much younger than Matuidi was at that point, to yeah. where he's going to want to continue playing. Like, yes, yeah. he can he can earn a payday, but he can also go play, and I'm sure he wants to continue playing. So I I, I don't think it'll be the same situation. I, I think Inter Miami could buy him out, and and you know. And that way it could be similar to Matuidi, but I don't think we'll see Pizarro walking around in a Miami uh, facility. Being an ambassador. Being an ambassador, (laughs) right? I I think he has his mind on his career. Um, There are two things that that Phil mentioned in in the press conference that might connect to the Pizarro conversation. They might not be related at all, but, you know, it it leaves you to to think about it. He said, we will not um, compromise the type of player that we want. We won't let anybody in that he's a bad person. And um, he did, did mention as well um, the, his first season. And he said, we suffered in my first season. We had a group that was good individually, but they didn't fit into a team. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. So you could you interpret know, it. You could interpret it, right? You could read between the lines and say, yes. mm, that could be Pizarro. Or he could be one of those players. And I think it is. I think, listen. I, I'm convinced between, you know, the exchanges we saw of him on Twitter and, and Gonzalo Higuain, like the comments about Higuain and how he like I, I think look, it's clear that it just wasn't a good fit once once Diego Alonso left or once Gonzalo Higuain arrived, just Pizarro was the odd man out and it, it, it just became irreconcilable. It's just not something. It, it might be the same scenario for Leandro Gonzalez Pires, who, who was, by the yeah. way, included in the... Well, he's still in the contract, but he's, but he's on loan. To River Plate right. for two years, right? So this will be the he's finished one season, so he's got another season with with River Plate uh, still to go. So. Just to be fair, just to be fair, just so that people don't think we were hating on Pizarro. Yeah, exactly. No, and and it, I, 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 I if you I see it applies. to the point of the team, 
you can see what they're saying, but if I was, that is what I was talking at the beginning, if I was Pizarro, I guess he's here and he's trying to put pressure on them because the way they have treated them, if you see it as a he's probably got an impartial person. He's got is, negotiations, he's got to sit down yeah. and talk with them, they still, they, still, yeah. they still all have the rights to his past, Upase. so, I mean, that's, I'm yeah. sure that's probably part of the reason he's here, he probably also doesn't hurt to be in South Florida and spend some downtime in Miami, so, yeah, you know, yeah. so, um, I don't think it's be a difficult situation if, if i'm is, honest it is, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think it will be that hard for pizarro to find another team i oh, think yeah, in, yeah. In Mexico, I he think he listen gonna... i have heard some comments from people in the media that maybe don't know uh um uh, football that well but they said oh no one wants to buy pizarro listen no one wants to buy pizarro because inter miami is asking for their investment back. They bought him for almost 19 million dollars. So no one is paying that right now because he had a decline and he went alone and and all what what we've been talking about. But it's not because he's not an interesting player. If Pizarro gets free from Inter Miami, he's not they, an interesting player. He's they they buy player. out their contract. He's gonna go to a big team in Mexico. He's not that an interesting player. I'm sorry. I think MLS not, is he's, not a league for him. He's not an interesting player, though. He's just not. To me, he's not an interesting player. I just, I just, I just don't see enough in him to say he's an interesting player. He, like he had his moment in Liga MX, and you know, at the pinnacle of his career, where he was you know being an impact player for Mexico's national team, and he had the run in the Champions League, all that. But then after that, you know, there was talks of him going to Europe, and he didn't go to Europe. Where'd he go? He went to Inter Miami. So, and then from there, his star faded completely. They offered him that they were going to take him to okay, if, Europe. Okay, and if, and if he had European suitors at his door, he would have just gone straight to Europe. So, I don't, right. I don't, no, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's that interesting of a player. Does he have qualities? Sure. He's, like, he's he's not a DP, but he's going to find a team in Mexico because he's good. I mean, he's a yeah. Good, okay, enough, a, enough about Pizarro. Enough about Pizarro. My brother's ears must be bleeding because he's a staunch, staunch. Advocate and to this day a staunch, staunch defender of Pizarro. So his ears must be bleeding. He's probably when he hears this podcast, he will probably. No, but I like Pizarro. I have defended Pizarro. Pozuelo. Pozuelo time. No, oh. we're going to Pozuelo. Is Pozuelo <laughs> coming back? Is Pozuelo coming back based on okay. what you guys interpreted no. or what you guys read in between the lines of what was said on. No, they Monday. don't want to pay Pozuelo. I think that I think the Pozuelo thing is, is something that. No, it didn't bother me because, I mean, not. I don't think there's a there's something that can actually bother me about Inter Miami, but um, I I just felt like you know it, it's just a little bit disrespectful to Pozuelo yes. that they're putting him on hold yes. after he basically took Inter Miami to the playoffs last year. I mean, and um, and if you go back and you listen at the press conference. They are basically putting him on hold as they wait for better options, what they believe they could yeah. find better options. This is what Phil said when I think Andrea asked him about, you know, the conversations about it's the players that were coming it's, back. Uh, he said it was a two-minute conversation. Yeah. Really easy. So it's not a two-minute conversation to make an When you have the core that worked offensively because let's be honest into Miami made it to the playoffs because they started scoring because defensively they were not good. They started scoring and they started scoring because of Pozuelo. Forget about Gonzalo Higuain without Pozuelo because I mean, I think we all learned that when 
when Gonzalo Higuaín mentioned Pozuelo, he 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 admired Pozuelo, and he Gonzalo Higuaín understood that the team was completely different when Pozuelo was on the field, and if Poz, and if Higuaín trusts enough Pozuelo, then I think you know there's something good about him. So I don't know. I think I think that's a player that they need back, and if I'm Pozuelo. I, if I'm Pozuelo at this point, unless I don't have any other option in the league, I take Inter Miami. But if you put me on hold after I, after I took you to the playoffs last year, I think that's disrespectful. And for me personally, if I if I had to make the decision for Pozuelo, I would have said you have to go someplace else. I disagree with you, and I said this on the podcast uh, the last time out. I wrote about it on MiamiTotalFootball.substack.com. I took a look at Pozuelo and Campana standing. Leonardo Campana is coming back and is likely coming back as a young DP. So he is likely to fill one of those two vacant, as of right now, DP spots. Meaning that there's only, as of right now, or if, if sorry, not as of right now. If Campana returns as a young DP, that means that there would only be one DP spot available up until the moment when Pizarro is no longer a DP. And I think that they want to go younger. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Pozuelo is on the wrong side of 30. Yes, he was a big part of what they accomplished this season. A massive part. But longer term, is he a piece that you want to build around as your DP number 10? Probably not. Pozuelo is 31 years old. Pozuelo is 31 years old. You're right. That's not that old. But in a league that, like, Phil Neville said, continues to get younger. Is that the player you want to build around? Is that the number 10 that you... They continue to get younger, but they're not there yet. If you're 31 years old, you can play. I think you you can get get a better number 10. I think you can get a better number 10. Especially... Who? Go look around South America. Go look around the world. You can get a better number 10. I think you're going to have to pay. Who has experience in the league? Who We've the, proven who was the MVP who to, took you to the playoffs. By by the, by that token, then you know Inter Miami should go and sign uh, Pele because Pele, you know, won all these. Yes. No, but do they have time for that to for a player to come here to that's, sign a player? Hey, that's the, the gamble that they're willing to take. That's clearly the gamble that they're open to taking. And it's I, unfair with Pozuelo because it's he, not unfair. He How is that unfair? It is. How is that was, unfair? We have said it here a thousand times. He was the, not the coaching staff. You guys, not you guys, you guys, not uh, no one else. Bryce Duke, no, no. It I, was sh- I shake my head. I've shaken my Pozuelo. head. I've shaken my head a good bit on this podcast. And, and I guess since we're not a video podcast, not yet anyway, uh, that you, know, <laughs> you haven't been able to see it. But like, yes, Pozuelo was a big part of it. No denying that. But Pozuelo wasn't was not this wow player either for every single game out. Think about he him. Think, up, think about him. Think about him during the stretch, the final stretch of the season. Think about it. Which game during that final stretch of the season were you like, wow, Pozuelo se metió un partidazo. Oh man, Pozuelo had a monster game. When when was the? If you guys can give me that game right now off the top of your head, I'll I'll say okay. I'll reconsider what I'm saying. Towards the end, Pozuelo was lackluster and subpar. The game against NYCFC, and yes, not many players had a good game there, but did he stand out? No. 
Iguain stood out in terms of the effort he put forth, in terms of him looking to try to, to control and put his stamp on the game. Did you get that same impression from Bosuelo? And he was coming off an injury, and so you know, give give him uh, his 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 share there, or his um, you know his fair his fair share there, right. his fair shake. But Bosuelo towards the end didn't show Be a whole real. Lot. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question, and, and and that should prove my point. Without Pozuelo, do you think Inter-Miami makes the playoffs? No, they don't make the playoffs without Pozuelo. There it is. And and you measured the the season for Inter-Miami being a success. Why? Because they made the playoffs. But that doesn't mean right? that he should be a long-term piece. He's, 30, <laughs> he's 31 years old, Jose. He's 31 years old. Yeah, but, he's 31 yeah, but years MLS, old. I'm, To be honest, even if you bring, you mentioned selling players. 
if you bring a 25-year-old, it's very rare that you're going to sell him when he's 29, 30. It's, it's very rare. I think it can happen with a 22-year-old like Campana, and he plays two more seasons here, and he, he does well in those two seasons. He might, he might go back, and you might be able to sell him. But the time frame here is different, and that's why— So push I the age back. Make it a 24-year-old. Make it a 24-year-old. I, I don't agree with you with the fact that 31 is, is a problem for Pozuelo. I don't think it's a problem for him. I do because I, I think he he proved last year that he can play at a high level. And there's um, a, there's a reason why Toronto FC was no longer interested in keeping him. There was a reason why, and there's a reason why Inter well, Miami's not 100 percent sold on him. There's a reason why Jose. There's a reason why two teams that are not upper echelon Eastern Conference teams why they would pass on him. There's reasons well, there's for that. Time. There's going to be a time where Campana is going to move on, and that, at that time, it's not necessarily going to mean that Campana is a bad player because Inter Miami wants to move. But I'm not saying Pozuelo's a bad player. Who's saying Pozuelo's a bad player? I just don't think long term he's. But you're the, saying that not, the teams passed out on him like for a reason. Because what is the reason? Long term, they don't see him in their plans. Long term, and I mean Inter Miami hasn't passed on him yet. He could return. I don't see it happening, but he could return. I just don't think it happens. I don't. I don't see it. Like, yeah, I think that's the bottom line, right? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's happening. Yeah, this discussion we have is because we don't think it's happening. But I think they sh they should they should. Yeah, we get into the conversation as to why is everything happening. But I think the bottom line is, okay, if they put him on hold, then you know there might not be a hundred percent sold on the idea of bringing him back. And then if you think on the player side then nobody wants to be put in hold, right? And and I think we can all agree that Pozuelo should be satisfied and should be okay with his performance with the team in, in 2022. And so I'm sure he believes he deserves a spot in, in the team. So, But if you're put in hold at this point and just to wait it out, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's going to be a good outcome. I don't, I don't see him coming back. From the, from the faint talks that I've heard, I've heard he wants, he wants to come back. He likes Miami. He likes South Florida, but he's also willing to go elsewhere because he's towards the latter stages of his career. He's not going to get that many more big paydays. Is Inter Miami going to want right. to pay him DP money? I think if they could get him on a TAM deal, he comes back. Is he going to want to take that? Probably not. Probably. That's the question. Probably the question. not. Probably I, I not. think if, if you're able to sign him, if you're, oh, able, if you're to able to sign him, him on a TAM deal, absolutely, he, absolutely. Oh, goodness. That I mean that that would be a star for for Chris Henderson. Absolutely. I mean I'll give him a star Absolutely. because uh, that would be a great deal, great deal. So let's quickly last topic we'll touch on here because it has to do with the DPS and it was a talking point during the press conferences. Lionel Messi and the continued rumors. We're not gonna go into whether he's coming or he's not coming because. Phil Neville and Chris Henderson mostly eluded those questions. They kind of sidestepped them, said it would be great to have someone of that caliber, but they don't want to touch on rumors of players that's not on their roster, yada, 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 all the cliches. But do you foresee an instance where Inter-Miami could make it happen with one of their DP slots? I'll start with you, Jose, then Andrea, and then we'll wrap up this first segment. Because there's a chance that Inter-Miami could have all three DP signed before the season starts. But there's also a chance that they could leave one open for the summer. And I think that's going to be very telling. That is going to be very telling. If they sign all three DPs, then, you know, obviously it's not going to happen during the summer. 
Um, can I time out you? you? Can I time out you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. Anytime. Because I, before you get into that train of thought, I don't want to. I don't want to correct you, but I want to make sure the listeners understand that that's not necessarily true. What you're saying, because you could have three DPs at the start of the year, and if one of them, in terms of their salary budget, is low enough that you can buy them down, or buy their budget hit down, then that player can become a TAM player, which then frees up a DP spot. So I don't necessarily think yeah. that if just because they have three DPs at the start of the season, I don't think that necessarily rules out the chance that they go after Messi in the summer if he's available. I, you know, I, I don't. So yeah. I just want to make that clear because that that question was also brought up in the press conference, um, and it's it's not necessarily like okay, it's either there's a DP slot open for him at the start of the year or there's not like. It could it could happen. You could also work out a yeah. trade. You could also cut a player if you need to. Like there's ways. Listen, if if Inter Miami has the realistic chance of bringing Lionel Messi and MLS has the realistic chance of bringing Lionel Messi, they're making that happen one way or the other. They will find a rule. They will make a new rule. They will say four DPS from this point forward. We'll call it the Messi rule, whatever it is. But it it would happen anyway. All right, go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that. But you know maybe I should have explained. Explain a little bit better what I what I meant when I said three DPS is is the fact that okay if if we ha- if you have three world class players big names right names that you know they are coming here uh, with with a superstar label that they that you know that you're not gonna move around um, the, the budget or or you know financial situations they are three superstars then he's not gonna be here. You know, and 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 the DPs. But that's not happening, the, Jose. Jose, that's not happening. Like Campana is a young DP. Is he a superstar, big name? No, he's going to be a young DP by by most accounts, right? Like even Chris Anderson kind of alluded to that. So, or kind of even said it almost directly. So he'll be one of the DPs. He's not a superstar name. He, you know, he's an Ecuador national team player. Okay, he's got some star power there, but uh, he's not he's not a superstar name. So it's it's not like I don't think it's realistic to say that they're going to sign three big name DPs. Like I don't I don't think they're going the Lampard, Pirlo, David Villa route like NYCFC did back in 2014-2015. Well, just... you never know, but you know, I'm just trying to explain the situation where you know, I I wouldn't see that happening. If that was the case, if if big names were coming, if if I don't know, James Rodriguez, Luis Suarez, stuff like that, you know, names that we have heard before. Then I don't see it happening. But let, let, let me tell you, I've, I've been asking around, and it, it seems like you know there's a possibility. There's a possibility. I think you know of what possibility of what of of Messi coming over. I think you know for him to be here right now at this point in his career, it's not the same as to when we started this conversation. Andrea, do you think the chances are high that they only have two DPS at the start of the season, and they have yes. that one spot? Vacant? I, I see it as a as a big possibility. I agree. I, 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 agree. I would like I to add so. one thing here before you you make your comment, Franco. And it's something that Phil said, and he mentioned um, Toronto FC, and he said that you know Toronto brought players in July, and, and it was too late. And then he said something that was really really interesting because he said, "We are not going to make that mistake." And then he corrected himself and said, "Well, we're going to try not to make that mistake." <laughs> He, he so say that. we're going to try not to make that mistake. Yeah. So, but Chris Henderson so, left the door open. Chris Henderson did say it is an right, option yeah. that they sign two DPs at the start of the season and they leave one vacant. 
Now, again, I reiterate, if three are signed at the start of the season, that does not rule out the possibility of Messi coming, so long as they can buy down uh, a budget hit of one of those three DPs and make them a TAM player. It's also the possibility you trade them, cut them, whatever you need. And again, if Messi, and there's a real chance of Messi coming to Inter-Miami, coming to MLS, it's happening. You know, if it's, yeah. if, if it's not, like, MLS is not going to get into Miami's way and say, well, no, this is, you can't do that. No, like, MLS knows what Messi would stand for after a World Cup and the lead up to the 2026 World Cup, which will be in the U.S. Like, there will be a lot riding on it. So, all right, let's leave it there, guys, because we still have to talk about the expansion draft and do our Q&A session. So let's take a break. We'll do that after this. <laughs> guys so before we get to the q a session let's talk about the expansion draft which is this week it's on friday november 11th the list of players eligible for selection for each team will come out on thursday so inter miami has some decisions to make as to which players they can protect for this expansion draft and if you're unfamiliar with what an expansion draft is well i'll break it down for you very quickly st louis city sc which will enter the league enter mls in 2023 having an expansion draft it has five picks to select players on current mls team rosters now every mls team is except for five that had players <laughs> this is very mls but five teams are exempt from this expansion draft from having players t- taken in this expansion draft and that's because they had players taken during the 2021 expansion draft okay Still with me? Hopefully. Okay. Anyway, Inter-Miami is one of the teams that will have its players exposed to the expansion draft. Now, Inter-Miami can protect some players, and those players are untouchable. In addition to that, there's other rules for like homegrown players or uh, Generation Adidas players who have not graduated from their Generation Adidas contract who are automatically protected and don't fall under the category of of how many protected players uh, an MLS team can have. This is very, very confusing, but anyway, this is the the short term. Inter-Miami will be able to to protect 12 players on its roster from being selected by St. Louis City SC, as well as its homegrown players. So 12 players will not be up for the taking. Jose and Andrea, we could go into a very deep dive. We could probably do a whole show. On just the expansion draft and like Inter Miami stop processes, it would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall as Phil Neville, Chris Henderson, Jason Christ, and the staff try to figure out who to protect and who not to protect. Because I'm going to share some news that I've heard from sources this week. I have heard the St. Louis City SC is interested in one Harvey Neville. That's what I have heard. And clearly, Inter Miami's not going to want to lose Harvey Neville. Because one, that's Phil Neville's son. And two, they see him as a young prospect that provides cover at right back and at left back. Probably figures in their plans a bit more in 2023, which will be his first full season. So, what will happen here if they do try to select Harvey Neville? Right? Because Inter Miami's not going to protect Harvey Neville. That would be like a clear 
public miscue if they pick Harvey Neville over a veteran player like, I don't know, let's say Gregory, right? You protect Harvey Neville, but not Gregory. It's kind of pretty bad optics. So if St. Louis City SC does go after Harvey Neville, Vinder Miami wants to keep him on the roster. They're going to have to trade something back to St. Louis City to keep Harvey Neville. And that, in- that would include, you know, allocation money, maybe a draft pick. It just depends on what they negotiate. Usually, It usually tends to be allocation money in these situations. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Chris Henderson did kind of leave a little line there during his press conference where kind of left that hint. He's like, we're in negotiations or we're in talks with St. Louis because obviously Inter Miami doesn't want to lose any players here. The goal is to not to lose players, right? But it's possible. So anyway, let's do this exercise. Starting with Andrea. Thank God. Which player... <laughs> which player... And, you know, you can take my Harvey Neville reporting into account or not, but give me another player that you think could be surprisingly left off the protected list by Inter-Miami. Gregory. Interesting. Gregory. That, oof. That's, that's interesting. I, Listen, I, they, they're trying to go for Busquets, so... That would be a horrible signing, by the way. Yes. But... <laughs> Well, that was a short and sweet answer, but that's fine. We'll take that because usually we go long-winded. Jose, give me a player that we could see on there. I would live off the list, you're, you're saying, right? No, play, on a, the list. No, no, no. Player, off the list. A player yeah, off the list that's unprotected. To, and to it's, go to the other right. team. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Kieran Gibbs. That's not a surprise. I will live off the list, Kieran. Oh, you want you want to be surprised? <laughs> Maybe I missed something there. It's late. Um. I don't know. Karen Gibbs was the one player that came to mind. I, I think you might be surprised if they leave, uh, they left out Mabika or Sailor. But There's no chance that Mabika or Sailor are not protected. No I chance. think one of them will not be protected uh, because you have Ian Frey that's coming up. Then Ian you're going to have 10 central Ian, defenders. Ian Frey's a homegrown, so he's already automatically protected. Oh, but he's coming back. No, that's but what he's coming saying. back. That is what I mean. That's fine. You have. That's fine. I mean, they... they they clearly rate him. Listen, I've heard Damian Lowe is a possibility for being left unprotected. And clearly that would be a... That would be a surprise. Yeah. That, that would be a player that could tempt St. Louis City SC. Yeah. But I do think... Because it's not just about talent in, in when you protect players. I mean, clearly that's, that's one of the big, big, big components here of trying to create your, you know, your protected list. But you also have to take into account salaries and all the other things that go into a salary cap league. So I, I fully expect Mabika. Look, I expect Mabika. I expect Sailor to both be protected. And I mean, I could I could give you a list of twelve players that I think could be protected. But again, then this exercise will get very very long, and this podcast will never ever finish. So while I would be fascinated to do so. I really got part of me really wants to give you a list of 12 players that I think could be protected just to see how close I am or how far I am. We'll just leave it there. Maybe I'll do it in my final thoughts. Maybe if I can write them down really quickly. Um, but I would say, yeah, look, look, look out for Harvey Neville. Look out for Damian Lowe. It's possible that, you know, an Inter-Miami player is selected in the draft and then they're traded back to Inter-Miami or their rights are traded back to Inter-Miami for allocation money. That's something that's very, very common in these expansion drafts. 
Uh, this goes far as back as 2011, when when the Montreal Impact, which is now CF Montreal, they took Brian Ching from the Houston Dynamo in the expansion draft ahead of what was supposed to be his final season as a professional, which led to some controversy. Eventually, after a few, I don't know if it was weeks, it might have been a couple months, after some time in the offseason, eventually CF Montreal, or sorry, the Montreal Impact, uh, traded Ching back to the to the Dynamo. I think they got a draft pick back. Um, so look, it's it's only in MLS, right? It's only the I mean, listen, Hey, but listen, if I'm St. Louis City SC, and based on what I heard, I mean, it would be very smart of them to if they see Harvey Neville unprotected, you go for Harvey Neville, right? Like you maybe have no plans to play him ever, but you know you're going to get something from Inter Miami if you take Harvey yeah. Neville because there's no way in heck. Phil Neville's not going to have Harvey Neville on this team next year. There's just no way. There's just no way. And I also don't think if you're into Miami, you can afford the uh, the publicity of protecting him over somebody like, I don't know. No, I don't think you can protect him. Right. But, no. you know. He hasn't proven anything for the team. Imagine if you exactly. want... It would, look, it would be clear nepotism, right? It would be or clear nepotism. Gregory uh, out... And you protect Harvey Neville, it will be like an eye right. opening. Right. I mean, it would be. It would be that like you have yeah. been right all along, even though we defended Phil with the nepotism claims in the past. You would, if they do that, you would have been right. It would be a clear sign that like there's nepotism, yeah. clear, right? So Inter Miami can't afford that publicly, probably. Yeah. So they probably won't protect him. If I'm St. Louis, good says, insight. Good if, insight, Frank. If I'm St. Louis, I'm going for Harvey Neville, and that's and that's what I've heard is possible. So that could be why. You heard Chris Henderson say, I, I'm paraphrasing, you know, we're in negotiations or we're in talks with St. Louis City SC. So there you go. Uh, all right. Very quickly, let's just dive into a couple questions here for our Q&A session. We have quite a few questions. We have some in English. We have some in Spanish. Let's do one of each. Let's do one of each. Do you guys want to start in English or do you guys want to start in Spanish? Spanish. All right. Let's start with Spanish then and we'll go René Vallejo. And he asks, in Spanish, I'll translate in a moment, ¿Qué jugador franquicia ocupará la plaza que deja Higuaín? Translation is, which designated player will occupy the slot left open by Higuaín? I think the answer is very straightforward here. Also, Leo. Campana is the, the young DP, but he's a DP nonetheless, and he will take that spot. I agree with you. Andrea? Also Leonardo Campana. Okay. You know what? Let's do one more in Spanish. We're going to sneak one more in we Spanish. We are in agreement. Yes. Wow, this is the end of time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it is a full moon. There's also like hurricane. A hurricane, yeah. So no, it, make, it makes it for a very boring podcast when we're all in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like it was like silence. It was like crickets. Um, all right, let's do one more in Spanish before we, we hop to one in English. Car Carlos Segovia. ¿Qué posiciones deberían buscar como DP? ¿Qué posiciones son absolutamente necesarias para reforzar? So, translation. What positions should Inter Miami look for with their DP spots? And what positions are absolutely necessary to strengthen, bolster, reinforce? Let's try to keep it short, though. I know we're going to disagree, but let's try to keep it short. I will start. I, I, th I feel like Jose is thinking. I feel like his brain is just like yeah, searching through. <laughs> yeah, you, wait till this is a video podcast. Wait till this is a video podcast. Then you're not going to be able to hide your thinking face. You, you look like um, <laughs> Alan from uh, from The Hangover, right? When he's like trying to process all the cards and everything. That's what I felt like I saw you doing, even though I can't see you. All right, Andrea, your answer to those questions. 
I think they should get an attacker, an attacking midfielder, and a central defensive midfielder. You just gave me. They only, have, they only have two spots, Andrea. Oh, they all, oh, but I'm, oh, we're, assu- we're assuming Pizarro's two. gone. We're assuming Pizarro's we're gone. We're assuming Pica- Pizarro's and he, gone. And yeah. Campana's coming back as a young DP. So let's yes, just let's young... just say two two DP spots. Two. Oh yeah. Then a central attacking midfielder and a striker. And another striker. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Two DP strikers. That I don't see that happening at all. Uh, I'll, I think I feel like Jose is still thinking because normally he would have chimed in by now. Now I'm ready. Okay, go. Um, I, I think they need a 10 if Pozuelo is, I mean, uh, yeah, Pozuelo is not coming back or if they bring him back, then he might be a DP, I don't know. But if, if he's not coming back, I think they need a 10, without a doubt. And um, a I think... A central attacking Yes, yes. I agree with you on that on that one. And I think they need a winger. I think they, they need a, a, a DP winger. And, you know, aligned with what MLS is when it comes to DPs, you know, they most of the teams that they have DPs, they have attacking-minded players. So, unless, um, unless they go for a defensive midfielder who has a high profile, who's played for Barcelona, and who could, give them, who could give them yes. una salida más limpia, a cleaner build-out from the back. That yeah. was in his good ears, though. I mean, right yeah, now, listen, not so much. Listen, in MLS, he'd still have one of the cleanest touches in, in the entire league. Like, the, but he will be a step or two behind all the running. Sure. So, sure. okay, but I, so I'm I'm with you, Jose. I just said that in there to try to divvy it up or make it a little different. But I'm with you again. I agree with you 100. percent I think they go. They go attacking midfielder, so number 10, and I think that they'll go for a winger. <coughs> Messi. Uh, so uh, that's what I think that their, but Messi, their strategy is. I think he, he'll play like a striker here. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. That's. A, I mean, that's a fascinating like talking point and something we could discuss. Yeah. But I, I think, I think you know, Messi's at his best when he's out on the wing and he can. He yeah, can, me too. He has space but that to is why I on. said striker because I was thinking he could play as a striker here. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Like the physical center backs that are in MLS, talking about the Walker Zimmermans of the world. I don't think Messi. Listen, Messi. I'm not saying anything about his skill, but you know, in terms of well, contesting. Have you seen what he hey, did hey. to Jerome Boateng? Contesting. 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 Contesting aerial balls and things like that is not Messi's strong suit. So I don't think. He... Don't need. No need. Oh, okay, yeah. So all of a sudden, uh, Damian Lowe, Mima Beek, and Ryan Saylor, for as you know, as well as I talked about a few of them earlier in the podcast, what they're gonna all of a sudden have this super clean build out where they can pick out pinpoint passes from sixty yards away and find Messi at, at striker. I don't think so. They'd end up hurling those long balls forward, and Messi, what Messi's gonna out jump uh, six foot four, six foot five uh, physical specimens. I mean, I well, anyway, I see him as a winger. Okay, I see him as a winger. That's all right. No, we're not doing it. We're not going into a tangent on where Messi can play striker in MLS You're or not. You're censoring us. <laughs> I'm not censoring you. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to be the. ¿Cómo se dice en español? Yes, I'm just. Try, I'm just trying to keep the show uh, at a at a decent decent uh, time because we've definitely we're definitely going to push the the long meter here. Um, okay, and as for what positions are absolutely necessary to bolster, again, we don't know Inter Miami's budget hit or their budget uh, situation exactly. We, we never know that. I would say, listen, we talked about the two DP spots. I think 
at left back spot. That left back spot remains a question mark. Karen Gibbs is still on the roster. Um, Brexha and Jovan Jones are not, which we didn't even touch on the actual the overall roster moves and the options that were declined. Uh, maybe we can do that in the final thoughts, but I think that left back spot's still open there. Noah Allen will be a year older, so maybe he gets a little bit more playing time as well as Harvey Neville. What, are you going to play Christopher McVeigh out there again a whole other year? Uh, that, that wouldn't be. Uh, listen, and I've said this before on the podcast, a winger, for sure a winger. Frey. For sure a winger. You definitely need a winger. Whether it's a DP or not, you need to upgrade that position. So, All right, the one in English will go to Jason Siegel because this name has popped up a good bit here on this podcast this week. What is the status of Ian Frey going into next season? If healthy, do you see him as a starter or regular contributor? So the last I saw of Ian Frey was he was running around uh, into Miami's training facility. He was doing running on the outside part of the field. Um, so healthy enough to run. Not sure if he was doing football work by the time the season ended. So still working his way back. Do I see him as a starter, regular contributor? Mm. I see him contributing. I just don't know if he'll be regularly contributing. He's coming off two big injuries. They'll want to be very patient with him. They'll want to make sure this does not happen a third time. So I just, I think that they could ease him into it. You could see him in, in certain moments, but I just, you know, I don't know if after back-to-back years of being injured, he'll be a, a regular a regular contributor. I mean, he he did look very good this preseason. preseason. He looked very, very good up until that injury, but... I just I just don't know after two injuries if we'll see the see him get that much playing time, um, given his his health situation. Uh, do you guys agree? Disagree? Um, I would say this: if he's able to 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 come back and and have another good preseason like like the one he had in twenty twenty two, he could start. I would say he's a starter on this yeah, team. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's one thousand percent better than Mabika and Sailor. One thousand percent, man. Yes, Yo, this yeah. I agree. I think he's a lot better, but a thousand percent better, man. Goodness gracious, he's a lot the, better. The, the, a lot of upside for, for Ian Frey. Yeah, he's a player that can grow. Mavika and Sailor yeah. can grow still, but they are tall players. Uh, Ian Frey is tall, not as tall as them, but he is as a central defender. He's one of those rare central defenders who can play with the ball, who has. Who have I agree with that. I agree with physical that. ability. And uh, for me, last year when we when we saw that game that we, you talked about uh, Impact Montreal. Uh, sorry, what's the name now? Montreal CF Montreal. Um, he looked very good. I really I was excited to see him for this season. So hopefully, he is a hundred percent fit because he could be one of those players of what we were talking about at the beginning of the yeah. podcast of those young players that can go uh, the the long run. He also played. Yeah, he again. also played well against Lau and scored against Lau uh, in that preseason game. So, uh, but it's a big if because you know. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it, two injuries, injury, like it's just yeah. it's. It, you, yeah. First of all, you have to see if he's the same player. You know, like you, you can't yeah, just assume exactly, he's going to be yeah. the same exact player he was, especially after two devastating yeah. injuries. Hopefully, uh, for his sake and his career, hopefully he can get back to being the the, the showing the signs that he had before. But again, working his way back from a second injury. I just, I, I, you know, I think he has the tools, but we have to see what kind of player he is after coming back from a couple of injuries. And I think that they'll take, yeah. the, they'll take the slower route with him. They're not going to force him back into the into it, or they're not going to. They'll be a lot more methodical. I'm not saying they weren't the first time, but they'll be even more methodical this time um, to make sure he doesn't have another issue like that. Uh, right. You know what? 
One more in English. Tweeter. Will we lose the center back to St. Louis in the expansion draft? I can't see Inter-Miami protecting all four of McVeigh, Lowe, Mabika, and Saylor. Who do you think Inter-Miami FC will protect, and who will St. Louis target from Inter-Miami FC? Also, is John McCarthy the first former Inter-Miami CF player to win the MLS Cup? So we gotta t- We have to touch on that second question, man. John McCarthy, former Inter-Miami goalkeeper, only played that first season in 2020 with the team. Started some games, but was predominantly the backup goalkeeper. He came off the bench. <laughs> For an injured Maxime Cropot, I, I chuckle not for the injury to Maxime Cropot, just because of the the incredible nature that was the storyline for John McCarthy. He comes off the bench an extra time of a tied game. He gives up a go-ahead goal late on. Then Gareth Bale scores a spectacular, dramatic header in the final seconds of the extra time to force penalty kicks, and then John McCarthy is the hero. Uh, only one was scored on him, I believe. And one went over the crossbar, and then he saved two. He was named the MLS Cup MVP for his efforts. So, you know, congratulations to John McCarthy. Uh, anything you guys want to add there with McCarthy? Anything? No, not really. Oh, no, nothing, nothing about the great story or the great game. That final was... Yeah. I, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into the Don Garber. For the Tampa Bay Rowdies, he's a USL championship product. Very good. No, not very good, but an okay goalkeeper. Yeah, I'm not good for him. I'm not happy for him. I'm not Jose. You're usually one of the first ones to pump up anything USL, and the, the fact that you just gave that flat delivery. No, just, it's just, yeah. a it's a very nice story. Listen, what he did was amazing. But let me tell you, the overtime, the the last minutes were good of the game, but the overtime, but uh, those penalties were horrendous. I even tweeted it during the final. I was like, this is something that MLS executives could only have dreamed of. And then they went into full MLS PR push during the postgame by calling it the best game game. in MLS history. (laughs) I I was like, goodness gracious, MLS, you cannot help yourself. Like, really? Like, it was a... Dramatic game. United it had a lot of it had a lot of twists. It had a lot of twists and turns. It had a lot of drama, but the game itself, especially in the first it ninety in the first ninety minutes, yes. was terrible. It was horrible. It was ter- horrible. But, but there you go. That they have to push their their PR machine and say this was the best game in MLS history, just because they you know they need to whatever. It's, it's like like they can't help for themselves. for us and our listeners that like comic book movies like every time now that a movie comes out you say oh it's the best marvel movie it's like it's like that pr machine <laughs> okay andrea with the movie analysis as well she's a movie critic as well as an inter miami critic okay all right that does it for the q a session very quickly our final thoughts there's still some things we haven't touched on including the uh training stint that a couple of players will be going on including the overall roster move so there's a lot to chew on we'll start with andrea well, we have a lot to talk about. I wanted to go last because I wanted to gloat with my final thoughts. They were going to be about something regarding to the World Cup and the U.S. men's national team and the goalkeepers that are going to go to Qatar. And I wanted to say that when I said um, Sean Johnson could be starting for the World Cup, I got laughed at on this podcast by... My co-host, Franco Panizo, and I just wanted to say, Franco, how are things looking up now? You think he's, you still think he's going to start? Like, you still think he's going to start? My sources are telling me that Stefan is not going to the World Cup, and uh, uh, Turner is 
uh, slight, slightly injured. He has not played with Arsenal. And Horvath is going to be the uh, other goalkeeper that is going to the World Cup. So let's see. Hopefully, my gloat can become a reality. I don't see Johnson starting. I don't see him starting. Like, I still don't see him starting. He could be on that plane, but I don't see him starting. I stick with that. So, you know, I don't see Craig Berhalter turning to Sean Johnson over those other two options. Just don't see that. Uh, Jose, your final thought. My final thought is, you know, the perfect preview for the World Cup happens on Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. San Antonio against Lou City, baby. The USO Championship final. We can't wait for that game. That's that's a perfect ending to the soccer season here in the U.S. Two of the best teams in the league, champion of the West against champion of the East, and the best part, the game will be available on ESPN Deportes in Spanish, and Jose will be on the call. So, <laughs> Jose who? Final- Jose who? Jose, Island Jose. I'm, oh, I'm oh, oh, you're referring to yourself in the third person. Oh, please, uh, let the yeah. listeners know that, because they just might be like Jose. They, you know, Jose's not the most uncommon name out there. It's a pretty common name. Come on, brother. If you're talking about yourself, let the people know so they can go listen Island to you. Island will be on the broadcast. There you go. And you might even see him hum loquera if you watch closely enough. My final thought <laughs> will be on... A couple of Inter-Miami news and notes here that we did not touch on in this podcast or earlier in this podcast because we just had so much else to talk about. But Gonzalo Higuain won the MLS Comeback Player of the Year award officially. Not so sure about that myself personally. Definitely think he had a great year, but not really sure what he was coming back from. It's usually an award given to right. a player that came back from an injury. I definitely think he was he deserved to be the Inter-Miami MVP as he was named um, by the team, but not so sure about being voted the MLS comeback player of the year. I do think that's, again, part of the MLS PR machine trying to draw attention. Obviously, Dwayne's a big name. All right. Then the next talking point, well, Drake Callender finished in the top three for goalkeepers of the year, but he did not win. That award went to Andre Blake. Now, in terms of the roster decisions that have been made, out of contract players right now, Jovan Jones, Alejandro Pozuelo, Indiana Vasilev. Contract options decline. Breck Shea, Georgia Costa, Higuain's name also in there, even though he retired. Contract options exercise. Drake Callender, Leo Campana, Bryce Duke, Ariel Lasseter, Ryan Saylor, and the one that had Jose's head scratching, Robbie Robinson. The rest of the team... Unbelievable. <laughs> the rest of the team has uh, is under contract for 2023. And I'll go through them very quickly. Noah Allen, Edison Ascona, CJ Dos Santos, Ian Frey, Kieran Gibbs, Gregory, Leon, Leandro Gonzalez-Pires, Corentin Jean, a.k.a. Coco, Damian Lowe, Amey Mabika, Nick Marsman, Chris McVeigh, Gene Mota, Harvey Neville, Rodolfo Pizarro, Emerson Rodriguez, Robert Taylor, Victor Ulloa, Felipe Valencia, DeAndre Yedlin. And that's my, that leads me to my final nugget here, and that Edison Ascona and Robbie Robinson will go on a training stint, not a trial, but a training stint with Real Zaragoza, Inter-Miami's partner club, the other club that Jorge Mas and Jose Mas now own. So, there you go. A lot of final thoughts. And thank you again for listening to a jam-packed Miami Total Football Radio episode. We will be back, I don't know if in a week, maybe two weeks. We'll see. We'll see how things go. We'll see how things unfold. For the World Cup, baby. Yeah, well, definitely going to talk about the expansion draft after it happens, especially if things unfold the way that I'm hearing that they might. So, you know what? Let's say we'll be back next week. So, for Andrea Yanis, a.k.a. Ajisita, who wasn't all that Ajisita today, a little bit here and there, but not overall. That, that was fake hype, MLS hype machine type stuff from Andrea there. <laughs> and for Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, 
am Franco Penizo. You have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio. I'll talk to you guys again.